So this is Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, and uh, it is the most serious, reverent, holy day, thank you so much, on, on the Jewish calendar. And even those people who don't even believe in God, who are Jewish, generally go to synagogue on this day. You would say, how is that possible? Well, just like there are cultural Christians, there are cultural Jews. And so uh, this is the second in the series of three appointed times. That's what they're called in Scripture. They're not called feasts or festivals. They're called appointed times. And these are, this is the second. The first one was Rosh Hashanah 10 days ago. And in five days, it's Sukkot. And so tonight is Yom Kippur. And uh, so let's look at Leviticus 23. There are two major portions that speak about Yom Kippur in, in Scripture. One is Leviticus 23, and the other is Leviticus 16. Let's look at 23. Would you read it with me, please? Adonai spoke to Moses, saying, However, the tenth day of this seventh month is Yom Kippur, a holy convocation to you. So you are to afflict yourselves. You are to bring an offering made by fire to Adonai. You are not to do any kind of work on that set day. For it is Yom Kippur to make atonement for you before Adonai your God. For anyone who does not deny himself on that day must be cut off from his people. Anyone who does any kind of work on that day, that person I will destroy from among his people. You should do no kind of work. It is a statute forever throughout your generations in all your dwellings. It is to be a Shabbat of solemn rest for you, and you are to humble your souls. On the ninth day of the month, in the evening, from evening until evening, you are to keep your Shabbat. So it is a Shabbat. And it's a holy convocation, meaning we have services. Uh, we are to deny ourselves. We're not to work. By the way, not, not to work is mentioned three times. I wonder why. Is there a test? Uh, are we being tested to see if we're really not going to work? Um, and certainly, so that this is Yom Kippur. If we, if it's it's a day of repentance, of being cleansed in order to, I believe, in order to come into God's presence and learn how to receive God's love. You know, you it's very hard to receive God's love if you feel you're impure. And so repentance is a cleansing thing for you. It's not a bad thing. It's, it's, it cleanses you so that you can feel God's love, that you can sense that you are worthy. Now, worthy is not required, but it is required for you to feel that way. And so often we don't. But this is a, a wonderful teaching moment, 
not only for today, but for every day as your walk with the Lord, that when you repent, you are cleansing yourself in order to get closer to God and to sense his love. Leviticus 16 is a description of Yom Kippur. Basically, you have the high priest uh, making atonement for himself and then all of Israel. And let's read a small portion about this in Leviticus 16, 8 through 10. I would suggest that you just read all of Leviticus 16 at some point in the next day to get a sense of what God says about Yom Kippur. But let's read, uh, starting with verse 8. Aaron will then cast lots for the two goats, one lot for Adonai and the other lot for the scapegoat. Aaron is to present the goat on which the lot for Adonai fell and make it a sin offering. But the goat upon which the lot for the scapegoat fell is to be presented alive before Adonai to make atonement upon it by sending it away as the scapegoat into the wilderness. So Yom Kippur is a time to confess our sins, and traditionally, funny enough, repentance is usually not mentioned in the liturgy for Yom Kippur. Just confession. Now, I find that interesting. And one of the things that I also find interesting is that generally people, believers or not, repeat every year the sins that they're confessing. They're the same sins, year in, year out. Yet, in John 1, 8, 9, it says, if we have no sin, we're deceiving ourselves that the truth isn't in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. But most believers say they sin because they know that's what it says in the Bible. But they don't always think about their sin. They don't always repent of their sin. And I believe one of the solutions to solving a sin problem is to not just confess the sin, but to repent from it. Romans 7.18, and this, by the way, this is the problem here in Romans 7.18. For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh. For to will is present in me, but to do good is not. For the good that I want, I do not do. But for the evil that I do not want, this I practice. But if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I doing it, but sin that dwells, dwells in me. And, you know, this is uh, something that we need to come to grips with, that um, this, this is Rabbi Shaul, this is Paul, who has said these things. So if he can say it, surely we too can have the guts to look at ourselves and say it. So I find this principle that evil is present in me, um, for I delight in the Torah of God with respect to the inner man, but I see a different law in my body parts battling against the law of my mind and bringing me into bondage under the law of sin, which is in my body parts. So how do we overcome sin? 
I've already said I believe it has to do with repentance. You know, the, the word confess means to agree with God. So confessing is wonderful because you're agreeing. But repentance is really regretting your sin and deciding that you no longer want to do it. You turn to God and ask him to take it away from you. In Isaiah 55, 7, it says, Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous one his thoughts. Let him return to Adonai so he may have compassion on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. I don't know how many of you consider yourselves wicked, but I don't consider myself wicked. Uh, yet, I, I wonder what God considers me. Um, my thoughts certainly have not been pure at all times. My actions certainly far from perfect. And uh, returning in this scripture talks about changing the direction and going from there to God, to get closer to God. Sin pushes us away from God. Returning to God is getting rid of sin. That brings us closer to God. You know, in the tradition of Yom Kippur, there are different passages that are usually read. And one of them is from the book of Jonah. Jonah is a wild book, I think. And uh, so I thought we'd go through a few scriptures in Jonah and just see what we can learn from that. So if you would, once again, read with me Jonah 1, 1 through 3. Now the word of Adonai came to Jonah, son of Amittai, saying, Rise, go to the great city Nineveh, and call out to her, for the evil has risen before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of Adonai. This is the definition of chutzpah. If you don't know what chutzpah means, this means nerve. Uh, and it, also disobedience, by the way. Um, so Jonah disobeys God, out and out. It was intentional. Uh, if he loved God at that point, which is possible, Jonah loved himself and his will more than trying to please God. So in verse 1-9, he said to, uh, to the people on the boat, we're, getting, we're already on the boat, you know, and there's a storm, and he says to the people on the boat, I'm a Hebrew and I fear Adonai, uh, God of the heavens who made the sea and the dry land. And I'm thinking, I read that verse and I go, as we do in our modern vernacular, really? You fear God? You know, I don't know why you wouldn't obey if you feared him, but okay. Uh, Jonah 2.2, 2, then Jonah prayed to Adonai, his God from the... They, by the way, they threw him overboard. Uh, and immediately... Immediately, the seas calmed, and um, so now we're in John, uh, I'm sorry, Jonah uh, 2.2, uh, where he's in the belly of the fish. Then Jonah prayed to Adonai, his God, from the belly of the fish, saying, from my distress, I cried to Adonai, and he answered me. Gee, would you think he's in the belly of the fish, he's distressed? Yeah. I would think so. I mean, if you're not going to pray then, you're not going to pray. And in verse 5 of chapter 2, it says, And I said, I've been banished from before your eyes, yet I will continue to look 
toward your holy temple. Well, I realize that is uh, sounding really good, but in my opinion, this was not Jonah's heart. I mean, he should have said something about God himself, not the holy temple. Yes, the temple was holy, but uh, you would think that uh, he was trying to say he's going to follow God's teachings, but really, this was just didn't seem to be his heart. In verse 10, But I, with a voice of thanks, will sacrifice to you what I vowed I will pay. Salvation is from Adonai. I think Kol Nidre would have been great for this guy because he could have disavowed his vows right immediately. Um, because... You know, I understand what he said, but his actions are not connecting to what he's talking about. He says things that are right. He seems to have good head knowledge of God, but uh, the vow? Come on now. Uh, any rate, Jonah 3, 1 through 4. Now the word of Adonai came to Jonah a second time, saying, Rise, go to Nineveh, the great city. By the way, he's, you know, he was spit up into the shore by the fish, and um, yeah, he must have smelled great, right? And, and uh, so he, God says to him, go to Nineveh, the great city, and cry out to it the proclamation that I'm telling you. So Jonah rose and went to Nineveh according to the word of Adonai. Now Nineveh was a great city to God, the length of a three-day journey. So Jonah began to come into the city, for one day's journey, and he cried out, saying, Another 40 days, and Nineveh will be overthrown. I think that is the shortest thing that God has ever told anybody to say. I mean, you would think that God had a whole message prepared for the city. And he gave him eight words. Now, the people in leadership of Nineveh believed and truly repented, that, that had to be God. Because I don't know in those eight words that anybody would have been convinced of anything. They didn't know necessarily who Jonah was, nor did they know God at that point. And yet the people and the leadership of Nineveh believed, and they repented, and God poured out his grace. So Jonah 3.10, when God saw their deeds that they turned from the wicked ways. God relented from the calamity that he said he would do to them and did not do it. So one of the things that we learn here is that God wants everybody to know him. And that if they are willing to repent, if people are willing to repent, God just sees their heart and he will listen to their voice and trust him. And, and, and so if, if they trust him and if, if they listen, God will listen to them. And, and I think that's really important for us because sometimes we say, is God really listening to us? Does he even hear us? Is anything going on up there? But God is saying, absolutely. And sometimes we have to wait a bit. So Jonah, in chapter 4, verse 10 Adonai said, you have pity on the... So what happened was, Jonah had this uh, issue. He still was not happy with God. He was not happy that 120,000 people 
repented and, and that was the largest revival in all of Scripture. He, none of that seemed to be what he cared about. And so he was having a pity party out in the desert and God gave him this plant. But then the next day, God allowed the plant to die. And so uh, Adonai says, you have pity on the plant for which you did no labor or make it grow that appeared overnight and perished overnight. So shouldn't I have pity on Nineveh, the great city that has it in it more than 120,000 people? It is unbelievable to me, first of all, that God chose Jonah. <laughs> Second of all, it was unbelievable to me that after having more success than anybody else in Scripture in bringing people to God, Jonah was just as unhappy afterwards as he was before. And there are a couple things we can learn from this. First of all, despite what you'd like to think, God can use anybody. Because we want to pick good people. We want to say, okay, you are a good person. I'm sure God has chosen you. And that person over there, ugh, God, I mean, I, I don't even know what they're doing in the synagogue. I hope they're repenting because their life is a mess. Well, God might choose to use that mess. He chose Jonah who just seemed like a complete mess. And probably you, you wouldn't have liked him a lot. He was, he was sad. And not a fun person to be around, I would think. Even the plant died being around him. <laughs> so, but God used him and... and so we should not judge people. I really believe that it's important for us not to judge people. And just handle... Yom Kippur is also about yourself and God. Everybody else? No. It's me and God. That's it. Jonah understood his sin, but nowhere in here did he repent. Jonah put himself first. Because of not repenting and putting himself first, Jonah was depressed. Because he couldn't experience God's love. Repentance shows God your heart. He always wants your heart. Let's look at a couple more scriptures. We'll close. Joel 2, 12 and 13. Yet even now, it's a declaration of Adonai, turn to me with all your heart, with fasting, weeping, lamenting. Rend your heart, not your garments, and turn to Adonai your God, for he's gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, abundant in mercy, and relenting about the calamity due. That is, if our heart is truly repenting. That's what the scripture is talking about. 
and, and don't be like some of the people who say, oh me, and they rip their clothes in, in, in those days to show their anguish. God's not interested in ripped clothes. He's interested in a heart that is broken and contrite. 2 Corinthians 7, 9 through 10, now I rejoice. Not that you were grieved, but that you were grieved to the point of repentance. For you were grieved according to God's will, so that you might in no way suffer loss from us. For the grief that God wills brings a repentance that leads to salvation leaving no regret. But the world's grief brings death. It's an interesting scripture to meditate on. Finally, Nehemiah 9.28, when they repented and cried out to you, Lord, you heard from heaven, and according to your compassion, you delivered them many times. And I chose this scripture because I think it's an important one because how many of you, like me, have said to God, I don't want to come to you again. We've done this already. And I went back to sin. And I, I, I just can't believe that you'd be open to me doing this again and repenting. But this is clear. It says you delivered them many times, which means there must have been many repentances, which means that, yeah, okay, you know, this is what God wants. He wants your heart. He can work with your heart. When you harden your heart, that's when you're in trouble. So tonight, let's have, we've already had a minute of silence to consider your sins, but let me just mention confessing is good, but you recognize because you recognize your sins. But now see if you're willing to repent, to be disgusted with your sins, to vow to God that you want to change, to ask God to give you the strength to change, and to focus more on God than yourself. Those are the four things that I believe God is asking for for us to do tonight. Would you just take a moment of silence? Father, I pray for people who are realizing the, the power of repentance but also the need for repentance. And, and that, Lord, sometimes we're embarrassed because we feel we have to repent. But, Lord, you are making it uh, something that we need to do in order to have a closer relationship with you. So, Father, touch everybody here. Give them that desire to repent. Give them that desire to get closer to you. Give them that desire to do the very things that you want them to do and to have a heart that is willing to be molded by you. As we sang, you are the potter. We're the clay. Mold us, Lord. I pray this in the name of Yeshua.
For those who never have accepted Yeshua, the sinless lamb, Yom Kippur is the perfect time to repent and receive Yeshua. So I'd like to read one scripture before we pray for people who want to accept Yeshua as Messiah. This is a key scripture, I believe, in Acts 3, 19 and 20. It says, Repent, therefore, and return, so your sins might be blotted out, so times of relief might come from the presence of Adonai, and he might send Yeshua the Messiah appointed for you. So here we see that if we repent and decide, because part of repenting is to return, our sins are going to be blotted out. And we're going to have a time of relief or of, of um, what, what does the New American Standard say instead of re refreshing? Thank you. A time of refreshing. I like that one. Refreshing might come from the presence of Adonai. You come into the presence of Adonai when you repent. And he might send you, if you have never accepted Yeshua, he's going to send you Yeshua, the Messiah, who has been appointed for you to take your sins and wash you clean. He is the atonement. So if you want your sins blotted out, if you want to find refreshment and relief, if you want to be in God's presence, and re then receive Yeshua now. This is your appointed time. This is your purpose. And this is your calling. If you would pray with me. Lord, I confess my sins to you. Lord, I repent Yeshua. You are the atonement for my sins, Yeshua. And Yeshua, I receive you into my heart. I dedicate myself to you in the name of Yeshua, Lord. Hallelujah. Father, I pray for anybody who said that tonight who's here or on Facebook Live. Lord, I pray that they will be willing to speak with me or someone else and start this journey, a tremendous journey. We praise you and thank you in the name of Yeshua. Amen.